listeners. It's me. Katia. No. <laughs> I was like, are, are you going to do it? <laughs> I was debating. I was like, do I say Mario or do I make this? I mean, my my nickname has enough syllables to match Mario. Like, yeah, it works. <laughs> I don't know. This has already gone on too long. <laughs> All right. How you, how you doing, beautiful people? <laughs> Welcome to Rhapsody and Reverie, episode four, season three. We are back for another episode coming straight into your ear holes. Mm-hmm. Ready to blow your minds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So this week we have another great episode for you, as always, brought to you by our super dope sponsor, Wine Dark Sea, that we're going to talk about later in the episode. So stick around for that because they're awesome and we want to share their awesomeness with you. And they help Mm -hmm. make this show amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. So support us, support them, stick around after the main portion of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now it's time to uh, get started, baby. Yeah. So why don't you remind us of the hint so we can find out who we're talking about today? Ah, well, okay. So last week, Hintmaster was gracious enough to tell us the hint uh, that this week's episode once tried to write a musical about George Orwell's 1984. You know, to set set 1984 to music, I should say. Not about George Orwell's writing process. That would be an interesting musical. But I am, I digress. Um, none of you got the hint right, which is fine. We stepped up our hint game this week. This was a good hint. You could have found this out with a decent Google, but you didn't. You didn't. Um, this week, our guest of honor, shall we say, is none other than British pop sensation... David Bowie. I like how you said guest of honor. Yeah, I he's Kinda with us yeah. in spirit. This is true. He is. <laughs> I was about to be like, Katia, I'm sorry, but I have something to tell you. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> that he's not behind tour number three. Anyway, yes, we're talking about David Bowie this week. We are, and and I mean it. I think he is with us in spirit, as he is with everyone in spirit. I think I think his music continues to move people, um, inspire people, and just generally make people want to get up and and dance. You know, Mm -hmm. so I thought he was a worthy, uh artist to discuss shall we say yes and he truly is um he is one of those artists that kind of transcends his chosen media of music and just has done so much and it's just kind of an overwhelming presence so this is going to be a very interesting episode especially for me because (laughs) <laughs> I gotta be honest, I have a very, very limited knowledge of David Bowie. So much like how last week's episode on Janelle mm-hmm. Monet was an educational moment for Katarina, this week 
is an educational moment for me as I get to learn a lot more about David Bowie and what makes him who he is. Because as far as my David Bowie sort of knowledge and picture, I have this running theory conspiracy (laughs) that David Bowie's actually just an alien who (laughs) time-traveled from a far-off future and just came back already knowing everything that was going to happen in the world and just, like, low-key was trolling us the entire time. I mean, you may not be that far off. I'm going to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's a good place to start, actually, is um, is where you know him from, how familiar you are with his music. Uh, how did you How did you become aware of David Bowie as an entity? So... David Bowie kind of falls in that class of artists that I, you know, just kind of always grew up knowing existed. Like, I've never lived in a world where I didn't know about David Bowie, and yet I couldn't necessarily, like, pinpoint any song he'd ever done. I just knew it's David Bowie. He exists. He's an artist. He's a very, very popular artist. Um, and it wasn't. You're not wrong. I got, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not wrong. Um, <laughs> but it it wasn't until I was much older that I actually like started to um, be able to like pinpoint songs that he did. Um, I think the earliest sort of notion of David Bowie that I had was probably probably happened like sometime in either like middle school or high school and it was of course under pressure um his collaboration Mm. with Queen I think that's the first like David Bowie song that I could like pinpoint out as being like that is David Bowie and Mm -hmm. Queen um (laughs) So, so that's it. And Queen. Yeah, and Queen. Which, uh, Queen, another one of those artists that, like, again, always knew, but, like, did. Well, Queen's a little different because I really, really loved Another One Bites the Dust as a kid. So that. Ah. But anyway. Um, Queen's an episode into, in, in and of themselves. But. Yeah. But back to Bowie. Yeah. I, under pressure is probably the first sort of like definitive like this is a David Bowie song that I enjoy moment that I had and then it really mm. wasn't until like honestly maybe within the last like five or six years that I actually like started listening to David Bowie's discog- like selections from him mm-hmm. like um I don't think I heard Space Oddity until uh, um maybe three years ago. Oh, okay. So, like, uh, yeah, I'm very, very new to David Bowie as an entity, at, like, as an, like, musical artist and, like, listening to his discography. Mm-hmm. But I respect him a lot as, like, a creator and a creative mind. Oh, hell yeah. Because that is something that, um, again, when I kind of mentioned him transcending his medium i think that's kind of what i'm what i mean is that like regardless of how familiar you are with his discography so to speak like 
you were able to really understand him as a creative force um, very easily, regardless of whether you've heard a song by him or not. So Yeah, that's true, because there's so many different art forms that he's left his fingerprints on. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes you don't even necessarily know, but he's influenced popular consciousness so much that like he's he's in almost every aspect of art and that's fascinating to me that this that this one man has you know he's he once said that he wanted to be a pop star and you know what he did in every single sense of the word he -hmm. did yeah and it's um and it's really crazy when you just think about how many artists he went on to inspire and influence Mm. you know I think that's really what it is, is that um, it, regardless of like whether you've heard a David Bowie song or not, you have hands down listened to somebody that's borrowed from him or oh, yeah. um, used him as a jumping off point or used him as a sort of um, ideal to strive towards. Like you hear it and see it in countless artists. like. I I'm almost I'm 100% positive that Lady Gaga would not exist had David Bowie not come first. Oh, 100%. And she even cited him as a as a as an influence. So mm-hmm. you you know for a fact she could not have done what she what she does if Bowie didn't go first. Mm-hmm. Cuz I think he was probably the most maybe I'm reaching, but I think he he was the most experimental musician of his day and then he paved the way for everyone else to go crazy yeah i mean he was definitely among like yeah i mean uh it is again it's like it's one of those things where it's like you don't i don't necessarily know if that's 100 percent true but it it does feel true like i'm trying to Mm -hmm. i'm like trying to think and run through artists in my head I I honestly can't really think of an artist before him that was taking the risks that he was taking. There weren't Uh, any like not not in the same sense. There were there have always been musicians and artists taking risks to advance their field. Um, But he took all of he he took an inch and ran a mile with it. Yeah. Where where other people like. We talked a little bit about how Elton John was very uh, flamboyant and outrageous in his costumes and his performances. Mm-hmm. And then Bowie, like, <laughs> became a bisexual alien fighting spiders from Mars. Like, come on. No one else in the 70s and the 80s did that. Like, no. Yeah. What is that? Um, but we're, we're going to get into that later. I don't want to like go headfirst into all of this right now. Yeah. No, it, it, it's really, it's really like just cool and mind blowing to me, just how influential and powerful he was throughout his entire career from the very beginnings up to the very end with his last mm. album being this like weirdly um like 
weirdly uh gosh what's the word i'm looking for like weirdly timely <laughs> like oh yeah like if you sat down and listened to the album especially right after it came out um you knew he knew yeah there was there was no possible way everything from the atmosphere of it to the tone to the lyricism everything about it was him saying goodbye and him coming to grips with mortality and and struggling with that because it was just so evident in the work that he was aware and and that he was saying goodbye and so, it's very poignant it's a very strange piece of art but also beautiful this this is going to be kind of a really nerdy thing to say okay <laughs> so in battle star galactica <laughs> no i just <laughs> not <laughs> okay go go i i like where this is going continue <laughs> no it just remind like I, um i don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't watched that show i haven't watched all of it so yeah okay um but like there's um there's a character in it like this character's story arc um by the end of the by the end of the show there's a moment that kind of reminds me of the just like finality of the um of David Bowie's last album. Yeah. That's, you know what? I feel like he would have probably appreciated that. I can't I speak definitively, but he probably would have found the connection to such a piece of pop culture history with that much magnitude to be quite an interesting thing. Look, if you haven't watched Battlestar Galactica, you should. <laughs> I gotta be honest. I'll I'll binge Battlestar Galactica with you, and you have to finish binging Stargate SG One with me. As long as I can make fun of, um, useless, useless face. Oh, she's for those of you who don't know, she's talking about Daniel Jackson. She really hates that character. It's amazing. He's an idiot and causes all problems. The loathing is incredible. I kind of love it. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but no back to back to the point um i i think that would have been quite an honor especially considering um the just the sheer uh what's the word i want to use the the incredible diversity of his works uh from the styles to everything else to like all the themes he wanted to try and touch upon. Um, and the fact that so much of his work had to do with space for some reason. <laughs> so I'm telling you, time traveling alien who came back to this time so he could just like bring Earth, bring Earth this beautiful gift and low-key troll all of us. That is probably not far off. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's probably a good segue into talking about his work as a whole. Yeah, I cause... mean, I do. 
Um, before we go there, I do want to ask you about your journey with David Bowie and, you know, how you got started listening to him because, I mean, we've talked about my very limited knowledge, but I'm curious to know just how much of your life has been um, influenced by David Bowie. Um, well, I think this is probably, it's funny because this is, he's the second artist I've talked about that I discovered thanks to DDR. (laughs) (laughs) DDR, bring in the heat. Right? Always. Um, I was a little kid, uh, and I, I saw the music video for Let's Dance, and I was like, whoa, what's this about? (laughs) And it was, it was life-changing in a weird way the sound of it um his presence because i i don't believe he was in the thin white duke era at that point in his personas but thin white duke he nonetheless appeared to be he he had a very captivating presence his voice was interesting to me um because i think i think most of us can agree that bowie's voice is very distinctive Mm -hmm. like there's no mistaking him he is He's melodic, but there's something slightly rough around the edges about him. Mm-hmm. Something almost like he's he's crying out for you to listen. Like he 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 commands your attention, which I like. Um, and and little little eight year old me liked very much. <laughs> that would be one of my go tos. Also, it was a really easy level for DDR. Like, no matter what level of difficulty you played, Let's Dance was really easy. <laughs> Good way to get some points, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anywho, uh, I, I listened to that. I was taken with it. Uh, I heard uh, Under Pressure, like, like everyone else, I think, at that point. We all discovered Under Pressure relatively young, I mm-hmm. think. Um, yeah. In a way, I didn't register that that was that that was David Bowie in a weird way. Like I focused more on Freddie Mercury cause that's another artist. who's very dominating, but mm-hmm. I then started to pay attention when it came to songs like space oddity. Cause I think I heard that in a car commercial and I was like, wow, what's this? <laughs> and then I like, I would seek it out and I, I went to listen to the other stuff. And I think by the time I got to, you know, I got to college, I, I was I was definitely a solid fan. Um, I wrote a mini paper on him and his album Diamond Dogs, uh, which we will get into. Because um, in case you were curious, that's the album where half the songs are rejected 1984 musicals. Uh, we're going to get into that. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I I began. I just I, I just started acquiring him from all these other sources and then listening and going. Oh, wow. Oh, also Shrek 2. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, the song changes uh, where he, he duets with, uh, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Butterfly Boucher, because I believe that's how you pronounce that last name slash French word. But I could be wrong. Don't don't quote me. I'm sorry. Butterfly Boucher, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> On the off chance that you are. Um, yeah, and I, I listened, I, I remember 
when that album came out and then two days after when it was announced that he died and I went and watched that that music video mm-hmm. for Black Star, I was like, yeah. oh my God. And I think I think I cried in the middle of the office because I was um I was working mm-hmm. at the time. And yeah, I, I literally dropped what I was supposed to be doing at work and I watched that music video and I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all there. It's always and I th- weird I to think- find out sad news about celebrities when you're at work. That happened yeah. to me with Prince. I found out he died when I was at work and I was like, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I don't know how to continue. I, yeah, I usually don't tend to get super emotional about celebrities. Like I get, I get a wave of sadness and Mm -hmm. I, I sit there and I acknowledge, wow, you know, your work brought a lot of joy to my life. So I, I thank you kind of a thing. Like I'm, I'm usually not overly affected. Yeah. And originally I wasn't even at the beginning. Like when Mm -hmm. I first heard the news, I was like, oh no, that's terrible. You know, I hope his family's okay. Kind of a thing. And then I watched the music video. Yeah. And then I cried. Mm-hmm. Which was weird. And that, in a weird way, goes back to the power of his art in general. Mm-hmm. Um, that it was weird. It was like, oh, this is the last thing I'll ever get. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like I was, I was, I was in the middle of this artistic experience, listening to him singing about death. <laughs> And, and there it was, I was like, oh, this, this is really, truly a final goodbye. Wow. Like, (laughs) like it hit me right there. And then I was overwhelmed with the emotions that he must've been feeling or like, and that's presumptuous, I know, but it was like, wow, what do you feel when you know that you're dying? And, and this, you know, in your heart that this is the last piece of art you'll ever put out there in the world. This is the last thing you're going to do. Mm-hmm. imagine knowing that and I was just overwhelmed with all these thoughts and like what I don't I don't I don't I can't even articulate it very well and I I, I think my boss came over and she's like hey what's hey do you finish that like article thing you were oh are you crying right now <laughs> and I was like no <laughs> I'm good and she's like what's going on I'm like no nothing uh david did you hear david bowie passed away and she was like oh no like any of that kind of thing and i was like yeah i'm not watching music videos at work Mm." (laughs) i'm I'm okay (laughs) yeah it was fine it all worked out because i ended up incorporating him into one of the articles i wrote anyway so yeah it worked out but um no, I think there's something special about Bowie. I think there's something special about his presence in the world, the way he thought. Um, I recently finished a book, uh, David Bowie, The Last Interview, and it's literally just a collected set of interviews that he gave to, like, enemy, um, other music magazines that I'm suddenly blanking on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like... And it was just yeah. it was just really interesting to get into his head and to and to read about him and his thought process and and to have him even talk about how in a way the entity that was David Bowie was an enigma even to himself. 
And I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, that's really cool. Because, you know, like, not a lot of artists get the chance to have that sort of final goodbye, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. with so many artists, like... I mean, we've seen it in the last couple of years, like Mac Miller, like, yeah, so many artists get like, they, they don't get that chance to be like, this is like, they don't get the chance to like, have that final piece of work that's um there as a sort of reflection and culmination on the career they've had. And they, they don't get to have that sort of final word, but it really did feel like, um, even for me as somebody who only knows David Bowie in a more sort of casual way, it it really felt like David Bowie sort of had that chance. Like, oh, he you definitely know, did. Of course, like, of course he, um, you know, and uh, if anybody had more time, they'd always have something more to say and more to give, but it did feel like he, he, he was able to, really just pour out one last sort of final summation of um, who he was at that time and looking Mm -hmm. back on everything that he's done. And, like, for a man with a career as extensive and um, as full as him, like, it's a lot to reflect on. Oh, my God, yes. The sheer... (laughs) Number one. None of his albums sound the same. And it's weird because you listen through all of them and you're like, yeah, this is David Bowie. But none of them have, none of them really have the same stylistic sound. Like they kind of, you could kind of classify all of them as rock and roll. You could kind of classify all of them as like pop. You could, you could classify them as a bunch of different things, but like, that's what's so cool about it is that all of them are so different in tone. Some of them sound more jazzy. Uh, some of them are more like folk rock, like space oddity. Uh, some of them are more a little harder, like, you know, diamond dogs. Some of them are like, I don't know, just weird experimental rock, like Ziggy Stardust. And yet all of them are distinctly him. Mm hmm. That's weird. He almost created his own style by changing his style like 20 times. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, um, I I think that is something that is so admirable, like as an artist, the ability to do that. And I also think again, sort of going back to what we were talking about of his influence, I think, you know, you see that um, happening more and more now, artists trying to sort of, you know, break out of just one particular style. And I, again, it's like a lot of that comes from looking at people like David Bowie and just mm-hmm. seeing their ability to really be full artists in the true sense of the word. Like, it. It, it, you know, like there are a lot of different ways to make music. You know, you can be, um, you can be the kind of, um, music, 
you can be the kind of artist who, you know, collaborates with other songwriters and, you know, is a really strong singer and sings other people's songs. And that's great. That's like, that's great. And you can, um, you can be that. You can be somebody that's just a really great producer and you can produce. But like, mm-hmm. David Bowie had a way of, um, just being everything yeah you know feeling like everything and he definitely wanted to be everything i think and i actually i don't think i know he was obsessed with image and not even self-image but the concept of image Mm -hmm. um which is so evident in all of his work he you know he maintained characters um throughout concept albums he he styled his whole persona um based around what would get people talking like when did he start embracing the whole androgynous image right Mm -hmm. when it was like the most controversial he got a gun pointed at him in the street one day because he was you know he happened to confuse a dude i guess i don't know um like he he started like writing and like designing his, his like films and stuff like that, starring in movies. Uh, the Man Who Fell to Earth is a very bizarre project. I think you should check it out if you haven't already. Um, and a lot of a lot of the songs that he sings, like a lot of the lyrics, have to do with perception as well. It's really weird, but at the same time, it makes total sense. Because what did he want to do? He wanted to influence pop culture. And what is pop culture if not perception? Mm -hmm. Like, what do people consider popular? And if you can control how people see you and control your image, then that's power in a weird way. Not that I think he was obsessed with power, but I think for him, it was a it was artistic expression and a form of self-control if that makes sense yeah i mean i think um you know the question of control artistic control and self-control is something that has plagued artists making music in the music industry for years Mm. you know there's it it can be so easy if you're not careful if you're not smart if you're not strategic i shouldn't say smart but if you're not constantly thinking about it it can be very easy to get swept up in the machine like you know that's the sort of that's the sort of perception that you know i get as an outsider looking in is that like it can be very easy to get sort of pushed into a box and i think Mm. david bowie was really able um because he was so artistic and so diligent in his um, commitment to crafting his image, his sound, his everything, his entire being, because he was so diligent to that, I think he was able to really push aside any any even inkling of an attempt to put him into a box. Like it just wasn't even a a concept, you know, it wasn't even a question of like could you make David Bowie create an album like this or this? No, mm-hmm. you couldn't because he's David Bowie. <laughs> exactly. Like, 
there you could you could argue that like he draws influence from a lot of different things mm-hmm. but he's transformed them utterly into into some weird unique thing and i love that about him i really really do um i don't i don't know so i don't know it's so wonderful (laughs) (laughs) so do you have like the top three albums for david bowie because i mean oh he's got so many albums it's like he is he's too many (laughs) (laughs) he really is too many and actually it's funny i only recently heard his first one the self-titled album uh and i'm not talking about okay so he technically has two self-titled albums that came out one after another but it got re-released as space oddity in 1972 so i'm not talking about the one that's space odyssey oddity i'm sorry um i'm talking about the first one that was like not a really it wasn't a commercial success like at all And yeah. some of it made me laugh. Some of it I was like, this sounds a lot like the kind of skiffle um British invasion music of this of like the mid-sixties mm-hmm. that wasn't hard enough to be like super popular. <laughs> some of it made me kind of laugh. There's a song called The Laughing Gnome, and I was like, ah. Oh, I've, I heard I've that been one. <laughs> I heard that one. I, I literally put that on there just for you. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I was listening to this David Bowie playlist that you made me, and then I, I was like doing work while I was listening to it too. And then all of a sudden, I hear this song, and I'm just, I had to like pause for a moment and just be mm-hmm. like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I it was kind of like a religious experience in a weird way, because I I have a thing about gnomes. (laughs) Whoa, not that way. (laughs) I love gnomes, guys. They're just ridiculous. They're they don't let me get on a rant about gnomes. It'll take me 15 minutes to get back on track. Um. But no, it it was interesting because it reminded me of of some of the less popular, like I said, some of the British invasion music that isn't so well known. I had old parents, so I mean, I was exposed to that kind of music and I was like, whoa, this doesn't really sound like what I know of as Bowie, which was interesting because I just got done on a 15 minute rant about how Bowie always sounds like Bowie no matter what. Uh, I will say that Please, Mr. Gravedigger was very, very experimental and weird and creepy. And I kind of liked it. It made me uncomfortable. And I liked it because of that. Um, It's basically, I don't know if you listened to that one. That one's like a murder confession, basically. And he's like about to kill a gravedigger. Because the gravedigger's uh, digging all the graves of his victims. And I was like, ah, yes, here we go. Spicy. Uh but like if you listen to it, it, it in a weird way it's like oh bowie hasn't been born yet like this is proto bowie mm-hmm. and then you get space oddity which i love uh kicking it right out of the bat with of course the single space oddity um i adore that song i don't know why there were so many songs about space in 1972 
Uh, this one came out right around the Apollo 11 mission, though, so he gets a pass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that one's really interesting. I don't know if you've ever like closely listened to the lyrics of that song. No, but it's I a haven't. little it's sad. OK, because like, you know, it begins with the space shuttle launch. And then he goes and he's. He's admiring the wonder of space, and it's almost like as he's, you know, plummeting upwards and being enveloped by this, he's dying. Like there's something wrong, uh, mm-hmm. and the people on Earth are freaking out, and he's very calmly, almost letting go. It's almost like he's reaching a nirvana at the point of death in the middle of the cold blackness of space. Like and, gravity. Yeah, like which gravity. I, which I, I have never not, saw. <laughs> I never saw either. Does Sandra Bullock die? I don't know. I heard uh, the diaper scene wasn't real. I heard Neil deGrasse Tyson went on a rant about how inaccurate that movie was. And I was like, I don't care, Neil. <laughs> uh, but but no, it's it's weird. It's almost like because I hearkening back to Elton John because he had the other really popular space song with Rocket Man. Mm-hmm. Rocket Man was a, a more nihilistic optimism, if you think about it. Um, I don't think the guy in Rocket Man dies. I just think his thing is he's he's going on a journey and he's kind of already weary of the journey, but he you you get the sense he's going to come back. Whereas yeah. the guy in Space Oddity is dead. Like you can't. <laughs> Roger, man, am I gonna die? Eh, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, he's he's like you know, it's I'm tired already, but like the the feeling of the music is more uplifting in a way. Like you get the feeling it's a song of just a traveler who's kind of tired. Um, yeah. Whereas the sound of space oddity is a peaceful sadness because literally you get you get the guy back at, at Houston going, Major Tom, there's something wrong. Uh, we, what's going on? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? And the guy, and it, it instantly switches from the, thr- the franticness of the guy in Houston to Major Tom going, oh, I'm just, I'm in a, I'm sitting in a tin can far above the world. And he's literally, I don't, I'm not even sure what he means or what he wants to say by planet Earth is blue and there's nothing I can do. But it's one of those heavy hitting moments where it's like, I don't know what it means, but I know it's poignant. And I, f- I have to stop and take a listen every time I hear that song. Like, I have to pay attention no matter what. I can't tune it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It makes me think about the sadness that this, comes from something like that. It's a heavy sad, hitting song. Sad loneliness of death. Yeah, really, though. Uh, not to spend too long on it. Uh, there are other songs on that album that are good. Uh, White Eye Boy from Free Cloud is fun. God Knows I'm Good. Um, Signet Committee. You know, uh, they're not as popular. I don't think the album itself was a big success, uh, but that song was huge. I think that's that was like something that people started to take notice. They didn't exactly consider him a big star yet he didn't become a huge star until later mm-hmm. but um they were like eh we're keeping you on the books um other album i'm gonna say is hunky dory 
This album wasn't a commercial success either, but it had the song Changes, which is dope. As I mentioned before, I first heard mm-hmm. that in Shrek 2. Um, shout out. I, shout out to Shrek 2. Again. Didn't Banger on the soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> we did. <laughs> I'm going to have to do an episode on Shrek. You realize that? Like a whole episode on just Shrek soundtracks? The Shrek soundtrack. (laughs) We're going to have to do it. Um, But no, Changes, which is really interesting. Um, The lyrics of that song, the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, he's angry, isn't he? Like, (laughs) there's some, there's some like, anti-teenage rebellion stuff going on here like he's trying to tell uh he's trying to tell the current uh people in power you know don't tell me to quote quote unquote grow up and out of it that's a really playful lyric that also means more than you think it means when you're a 12 year old watching shrek (laughs) and and it's that one is another one that deals with self-reflection and self-image because like it opens up with um you know, quote unquote, turning yourself to face him. Like I turned myself to face me, but I never caught a glimpse. So and and uh, it's so good. <laughs> That's gonna be my go-to when I just run out of things to say, is that it's good. Um but that's all it's it's interesting because it's like he's concerned with his own self-image and about how other people see him faking, but he couldn't possibly get a glimpse of that face because he's too quick, even for himself. Like he's not going to let him see that part of himself, which mm-hmm. is interesting because how can you change if you don't see it or is it willful ignorance? Um, and then there's also the rants about change in the world. So like there's change in himself and self-perception and there's change in society, change in politics, whatever. And, and then of course it ends with the simplistic thing where it's like, you know, time may change me, but I can't chase time. Or change time. It's trace time. You know what? I'm deaf. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, it's like, who knows? Who really? I should have. I should know. Uh, every time I sing the song, I change how I sing it just in case. Yeah, I could be I mean, right all three I, times. I hear all three <laughs> of those words when I hear that song. Yeah. Um, it's got Life on Mars. Which, I'm going to be honest, the first time I heard Life on Mars was not from David Bowie. It was from Fall Out Boy. You would. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick Stump does a very beautiful cover of that song, I have to say. Look it up. The cover's really good. Um, He sings the guitar riff instead of letting the guitar do it. Because of course he would. It's a very Patrick Stump thing to do. But Mm -hmm. anyway, there's something touching about Life on Mars. Uh, Did you listen to that song in the playlist or did that one not come up on top? I've heard that song before. Okay. It's one of those David Bowie songs that I've heard before. Okay. Um, I think it's a pretty haunting song, but in a weird way, it's also pretty ridiculous since I have. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I really don't know what it means. There are like lines here and there that like I kind of can grasp the secret meaning of. But I, th- I think sadly context is important here and I don't have it. I feel like 
I feel like part of it I won't understand because I didn't grow up as a British kid in like where is it Brixton is that where he was born Brixton I don't think it was Bristol yeah Brixton I think it, it was yeah Brixton. it is Brixton so I didn't grow up middle class British <laughs> But like there's there's really interesting poignant moments in that where it's weirdly like he's almost like an alien but not. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. he's so alienated from or this person he's singing about is alienated from the things going on around her. Um and she's just observing. So it's kind of haunting. Again, space, Bowie, possible alien conspiracy point to adrian um i'm telling y'all mm-hmm. like he was a being that we didn't deserve yeah and yet he came to this world to better us and troll us all yeah. at once <laughs> i think I think my last top album is gonna be the rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars because of course it is that was <laughs> that was like a hallmark in his evolution because that was like where he went the most all out or the first time he went super all out where he was a persona on stage mm-hmm. and like his band members had created their own personas and and like the tour was just insane. Um, I also love concept albums and that's what this is where he's an androgynous bisexual alien coming to Earth to um, to give us a message. And he ends up becoming an almost messianic figure, but not really. Like, there's, there's some weird... <laughs> I'm just saying. There's a strange debate about... Because, like, the whole just, thing is about is music. It, but is it really just a concept album? Well, that's that's the thing, too, because like him, the alien is... The ultimate pop star. That's what he set out to do when he created the concept of Ziggy Stardust. Ziggy, um, he said it was the only Christian name that fit, but it's also I, number one. I don't know where Ziggy comes from. Is this another British thing? Mm-hmm. What is it with you people? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I don't want to alienate a British audience. Um. Uh, but no like it's it's a combination of iggy pop who he would later go on to like collaborate with and do stuff with um and basically an alien think about it he he's (laughs) he's the craziest pop star uh to exist because he is an alien and he he obviously grabs people's attention because he descends from the sky Mm -hmm. uh Music is his message. Music is like the unifying force that could save humanity. If you don't get your act together in five years, you'll all die kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the like the ending isn't super clear. And even Bowie said, yeah, there's not really like one plot here. There's a bunch of ideas kind of strung together. Good luck. <laughs> Which I love. He's like, I gave this to you, but I'm not I'm not telling you. You're going to figure it out. <laughs> Oh, uh, it has it has Starman, 
on it. And I remember when I first heard Starman for the first time, it was like my eyes were opened. I was like, I get it now. Yes. <laughs> the aliens want to meet us, but they know our tiny brains can't handle it if they show themselves. <laughs> but like, it's it's really bizarre how this whole album just exists it's this magical like biography maybe maybe it's an autobiography we don't know maybe bowie came from yeah we don't know <laughs> yeah because i want to i want to say <laughs> this all points to your theory that he actually is an alien just saying like I'm just the whole saying. point <laughs> and you like the whole point of you can't say it's not true. The whole point of like the alien too is to teach us how to boogie, to teach us how to feel music again, and apparently that will save us. Uh, like the end of the chorus of Starman is "Let the children lose it, let the children use it, let all the children boogie," and that's like it. It it reminds me of that one Bible verse of Jesus saying, "Let the little children come to me," kind of a thing. Like, I don't know why it makes me think of that, but it does. Um, I think it's a beautiful thought that there's of all the things that could save humanity from annihilation, it's music. That's kind of a lovely thought. Um, it is. I think it's lovely that the aliens figured it out before we did. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, of course, Moon Age Daydream is another banger. Um, Ziggy Stardust is a banger. Rock and Roll Suicide is such a powerful way to end an album. Did that one come up when you were? No, but I do love that title. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're too old to lose it, too young to choose. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> The clock waits so patiently on your song. This this chorus gives me a little bit of anxiety. Um, it just does. <laughs> like, I know it's the thematic death of Ziggy Stardust, technically, mm -hmm. but... Oh. What is he saying here? Because, <laughs> like, could he be talking about how rock and roll just takes a toll on the young people at the same time? Uh, could, he, could he be saying that Ziggy was a sacrifice for the good of rock and roll? I don't know. Um, are you just are you just one more suicide in the line of like legends of rock? Because there are quite a few. Um, it's a punch in the gut every time I hear it. It's surprisingly slow. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, he's singing at the end, oh, no, love, you're not alone. Like, no matter what or who you've been, uh, it's, it's very sad and it's very beautiful. And it's like, you know, I think this is, <laughs> in the last decade or so, there have been quite a few, um, how shall I put this, uh, hashtag don't kill yourself songs. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's been a lot of, like, um, music that's come out that's been trying to like speak to mental health and mm -hmm. you know stay like yeah. sticking or trying to like 
hold on even when you feel like giving up. Like there's been a yeah. lot of songs like that. Yeah. And I think this is probably the only time where it feels organic is in this song. If that's even what he's saying. Hmm. Interesting. The, the end of that the end of that song comes from a place of like actual pain and comes from a place of actual understanding and it's not preachy. Like okay. there are quite a few there are quite a few modern songs that are just outright saying like hey don't kill yourself. Which look, I'm not saying that there's not a need for those songs. There mm-hmm. clearly is. Um but, but this-, this one feels so organic and so real and and so much more potent if that makes sense and it's not because it's an older song and these are newer songs no i'm talking the craftsmanship that went into the into the writing of this song with the lyricism Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more opaque in a way like you really have to listen and it's not it's not an easy song like it's digestible enough mm-hmm. but it's not I don't know how much radio play this song got I don't know how much radio play this song would get today um but it's 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 a jumbled mess of feelings and I think it's it's interesting mm-hmm. and I think I don't know I don't know that's all I had on that. Those are those are my top three albums. Um, I will give an honorable mention to Pinups because Pinups is basically like a cover album. Mm-hmm. Like he sings everyone else's hits, but I really like his cover of "I Wish You Would." Um, it's originally by uh, the Yardbirds. It's pretty good. Do you think that it's um, just going back to rock and roll suicide. You think it's because, um, I mean, maybe it's because like with some of the like modern songs, modern day songs of today that are, um, sort of have this uh message of like, hey, like, um, it's gonna be okay. Um, you can get through this kind of song. Do you think it's because? I mean, it feels like with a lot of those songs, they have this sort of like one, the sort of one liner kind of message. Yeah. Whereas it's the like, corporate, it's the corporate don't kill yourself song. Well, like, okay. It, like, not, it, not, not really. They, it they just, center around one like overarching like theme yeah. and feeling. Whereas yeah. like rock and roll suicide is more of like, just the mismatch and disarray of feelings that often lead to those feelings of needing an escape, you know? Yeah, because I I would say the whole album is number one in escape. The whole album is disappearing into the head of a whole other character. mm -hmm. Um, And that character ends up dead. And... Is is the character a sacrifice to rock and roll, a sacrifice to humanity, a sacrifice to himself? Who knows, really? Um, there there are fans who could definitely argue that with me, I'm sure. But um, if you think about it, it's the song's not just like you said, it's not just the one theme of, hey, 
the struggle can end, you can push through this. It's not that kind of song. It's not even really a hopeful song in that same sense, because it's also about the death of Ziggy Stardust and about the death of someone for the sake of rock and roll, which, which again, how many lives has, I don't want to like be that person who's rock and roll is, has claimed lives, but how many lives has rock and roll claimed really? Think about it. How many people are in the 27 club? Um, it's, it's a thing. The lifestyle takes a toll on a lot of people. And I'm not even talking about popular uh, musicians. Like there are roadies who suffer from it. Everyday people who were really into the scene at the time mm-hmm. struggled with mental health, like in ways similar to today, but less known, like less talked about. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's like a jumbled mess of themes that is somehow coherent and and very poignant because mm-hmm. like it it did happen obviously to ziggy the character does die um i guess the question is do you have to die as well well <laughs> wow <laughs> well uh I don't know. I don't know. I could be so off the mark on this, guys. <laughs> that, that, don't take any- that question's like really striking, though. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's what it is about it that makes that song so like unsettling in a respect because you have to sit there and sort of reflect on that of just like where where do I go now? <laughs> Exactly. It's where do I go? What do I do? Do I do I try to take this message of music being a unifying force and try to heal the world with it? Do I consider him to be full of shit and just live my life? Um, is there a weird balance between the two? Like, what is it? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this got heavier than I thought it was going to get. I'm going to be honest. Uh, back to our theory of David Bowie is really an alien and everything about this was true. Uh, oh, man. I, I will say that I really loved. OK, I don't know if you watch American Gods, but um, in season one, uh, media who who is like the god of media Mm-hmm. at one point appears as david bowie with the makeup from the cover of aladdin sane oh, yeah, and i remember that i did watch yeah American gods the first season yeah and like <laughs> i feel like bowie would have been like hell yeah because <laughs> i yes <laughs> <laughs> no because it's interesting she says an interesting point where uh you know they believed that star men were waiting in the sky Mm-hmm. And so they are. The The belief was that powerful to create them. And I think Bowie would have been like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We're here because I said so. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, um, do you have any final songs you want to shout out before we wrap up our discussion on david bowie 
Um, okay, I will shout out Heroes. That song hits me hard every single time. Every single time. Uh, <laughs> Rebel Rebel's a good time. I just like Rebel Rebel. It's just a good time. <laughs> um, Beauty and the Beast is kind of weird. It's interesting. I like it. Uh, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps is on my Halloween playlist. Uh, I will also say Magic Dance from the film Labyrinth because <laughs> it's yet another cultural milestone. Like if somebody goes, you remind me of the babe, it's going to be an instantaneous. Somebody's going to perk up and go, what babe? Babe with the power, what power? The power of voodoo, voodoo, you do remind me of the babe. Saw my baby. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I took a trip in a Gemini spaceship. Is dope. Um, and I will say Black Star and Lazarus. Yeah, are really good as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'll cry. Uh. Also, Dancing in the Street with him and Mick Jagger. That was fun. You guys should watch that music video. It's just him and Mick Jagger dancing in very baggy clothes in in an industrial park. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Well, anywho, how about how about you? Were there any uh, songs you wanted to shout out? Um, I mean not not really i i like <laughs> i mean in terms of like we've already talked about the songs that i identify with most in terms of mm-hmm. bowie like space oddity life on mars mm-hmm. and under pressure are just like yeah the three songs that um for me about i listened to and have stood out to me and yeah i really liked under pressure when i first heard it as a child oh yeah and it's always stuck with me um for a lot of reasons you know like musically it's just really good and you know it starts out very like low and then builds to this giant crescendo and Mm -hmm. like and then as i got older and like my anxiety progressively got worse that song started to mean even more to me and yeah (laughs) so like you know just really that song is basically those those bass riffs started to mean the ticking of your anxious heart instead of a good time basically (laughs) oh yeah yeah that's that's that 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 that's the one. Um well friends, fam, we done did talked about our favorite space alien, David mm-hmm. Bowie. We hope he is enjoying life on Mars. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um Smiling down upon us from his magical spaceship. Um, I hope so. I, I hope so, so too. I'm sure he's out there. Um. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. 
You know what else has a great image? What? Fancy, fancy vacation villas. <laughs> they have a great image. <laughs> Smooth segue. The image in your head <sighs> as you picture yourself on the beaches. Greece. Mm-hmm. Sip, <laughs> sipping a Mai Tai, maybe, or perhaps exploring the cobbled ancient streets of Rhodes when you make your way to your own private enclosed villa in the heart of an ancient city. Did you By say the way, streets of Rhodes? Yeah, there's a villa that Wine Dark Sea owns on the island of Rhodes. Yeah, but did you say did you streets of. Oh, I didn't oh. know. Oh, I Just made an accidental pun. Streets of Rhodes. <laughs> streets of Rhodes. The Streets of Rhodes. No, I mean R-H-O-D-E-S. I doubt it now. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Listen, guys. There are some beautiful villas in the world. There are some beautiful islands in the world. But there is no villa company quite like Wine Dark Sea Villas, and I'll tell you why. They not only provide you with beautiful homes that you are, you're basically not even at home. You're in something that's better than being at home, which is a luxury villa with as many services that you want or don't want. Like if you want a private chef to come and cook for you all day, you can have that. Um if you don't want that and you want to just rent a car and tool around the island, they'll give you a map and say, here's some good beaches, have a good time, and they won't bother you until you have to go to the airport so that they can pick you up and go. Basically, you can have the Whatever most immersive... Exactly. They can have the... You can have the most immersive luxury experience that you want. You can tool around like a native, get to know real people, real authentic experiences, uh, go beyond what hotels can offer you. And you can just have your eyes and mind opened by experiencing a new place. I'm telling you guys, you need to go to this website. So if you want to learn more about uh, the islands, um, places to see, people to visit, um, historical things you can do if you're into that beaches to hit if you're into that which who isn't everybody's into Uh, that. everybody um the villas themselves information about the company anything you want go to www.winedarkseavillas.gr okay check them out they've done us a solid we want to do them a solid and you a solid by pointing you in their direction go now and you'll get 15% off if you book your stay now because once that season starts, prices are going to go up. I'm telling you, book your summer vacation now. Hey. Hey. Oh yeah. All right. Oh yeah. Now that you're um now that you've imagined yourself in Greece, it's time to come back for your favorite segment of the show. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Up and comers. Up and comers. All right, Katya, who do we have this week for our up and comer? This week, I have a fun new band for you right out of Nottingham called 
Fast Car to Florence. Uh, I got turned on to them by my good friend Kea. Shout out. Um, hey, shout out. Hey. Uh, they're... How do I want to describe them? They're basically a rock band. Check them out. Um, they sound fantastic. They came out with a brand spanking new EP. Um, the Illusion of Being Fair. I love it. Um, some of my favorite songs that they've put out so far are Something Better, Sick on My Own, and Just Smile. Please check those songs out. They're so dope. If you want to learn more about these guys, uh, visit their Twitter page, at Fast Florence, or check them out on Facebook. Uh, they're just Fast Car to Florence there. Um, yeah, give them a listen. Follow them on social media. If you like them, let them know Rhapsody in Reverie sent you. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) That's all I got to say about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Katya, for bestowing upon us our lovely up-and-comer. And thank you all out there for listening to this week's episode of Rhapsody in Reverie. What? 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 Tune in next week to hear me do ASMR. <laughs> Plot twist. You like that? <laughs> New. Th- yep. You like that? Please stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to like us on all of the social media handles. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Rhapsody Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And we are at Rhapsody and Reverie Podcast on Facebook. Subscribe to us on all of the podcasting services, any of them that you use, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, whatever else is out there. There's a lot and you can find us there. So go subscribe to us and keep yourself in the loop on when we upload new episodes. Um, Be sure to also join us in our Facebook group, which is Rhapsody Fam. We post all kinds of cool stuff there. We talk about music. We talked about cool stuff that's being released in the music world. Uh, Bad Sons is releasing an album this week. So they are. They are. <laughs> I oh my literally gosh. saw that on Twitter today. They're releasing their album on Friday. So oh, we'll prob- I can't handle it. <laughs> we'll probably be in there on Friday talking about that album. So join us in the Rhapsody fan group. It'll be super fun. Um, also, check our website for updates because we always we post reviews there sometimes we post updates on what we're doing and we've got a lot of exciting things coming up and in case you don't like checking websites for some reason you can (laughs) now not check websites and check your (laughs) inbox (laughs) hell yeah we have a mailing list people yeah go sign up look you only have to check our website one time. Mm-hmm. And then you never have to check it again. 
can yeah. just check your inbox. You can just check your inbox. <laughs> We're going to offer cool things like updates and up-and-comer stuff. Uh, also, bonus stuff that we are not telling you about because you gotta we can't just tell you you have to subscribe to find out yeah it's gonna be very what are we what are we a free music podcast (laughs) (laughs) you think you get stuff for free from us what you're right but anyway (laughs) (laughs) we're classy (laughs) anyway yeah, we're launching a mailing list. It's up. You can subscribe to our mailing list and get regular emails from us so you know what we're doing. And we've got a lot of really exciting stuff coming very soon. So you're going to want to mm. be on that mailing list so you know about it and can take full advantage of all of the super awesome stuff that we have coming your way. Um, but other than that, we have successfully wrapped this episode. We've got a great episode for you next week. And I think we done did it all. We did. We did do it. Yeah. We done do it. We done do done did diddly did it. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> I'll see myself out. Yeah.